Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by CGE. Use code Bucket Center for $20 off your first purchase. This episode of the podcast is going to be strictly the contenders episode. We're going to be breaking down a bunch of things about the contending teams in this league, talking about X factors, concerns, strengths, and whatnot. We're going to start with X factors. And the way I'm defining X factors is not the top players, like not the star player on a given team, but who is the key guy that's going to need to step up for this team to be able to be successful in a best out of seven series and multiple best out of seven series. Is This guy needs to be an impact player. I'm not saying he needs to go out there and drop 20 points a game. These guys have different roles on their different teams. They may not get as much of the spotlight, the limelight, but these guys are going to be important very important if their team's going to compete for an nba championship and we're going to start with the milwaukee bucks in the eastern conference and my guy for the bucks is eric bledsoe this dude has been very underwhelming in the playoffs these past couple years uh, he's really been the kyle lowry type of guy in the past couple years kyle lowry's consistently underperformed him along with demar Derozan for the toronto raptors and they're finally able to get over the hump last year with Kawhi. but also having a superstar like Kawhi took a little bit of that pressure off of kyle lowry also having a guy in pascal siakam to step up took that pressure even more off of lowry he was able to thrive as a number three option he was able to outplay Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs last year. He was just a critical part of what that team was able to do. I know they had some bumps in the road. I know they had some lucky breaks in the postseason, but Kyle Lowry uh, was one of the top performers on a championship Toronto Raptors team, which he hadn't proven he could be capable of in the previous years in the postseason. Eric Bledsoe is a similar kind of player. Okay, he's a great defensive player. He can provide scoring and playmaking offensively. He's very athletic. Um, but in the playoffs, he just hasn't performed the way he needs to perform. He hasn't been that number three for them. Chris Middleton's been shaky as a number two, but Eric Bledsoe has been basically non-existent as a number three. In fact, a lot of times in last year's playoffs, George Hill was a more impactful player off the bench, and he fit better in terms of his spacing with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Eric Bledsoe's going to need to be able to be in that closing lineup. He's going to need to be a third option caliber player, a third guy that can impact the game on both sides of the ball uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. For the Philadelphia 76ers, I went with Al Horford, and this is a guy uh, who can protect the rim. He's a guy that can space the floor with his outside shot. He's a power forward that's really not played much power forward in his career, which is kind of weird to say because you think in Atlanta and some of these other teams like Boston, he would have played more power forward, but he clearly hasn't been comfortable playing the power forward position. And now they moved Al Horford to the bench to be that backup center. And the interesting dynamic with Al Horford is he can space the floor. Uh, theoretically, he could shoot the ball better from behind the arc. He's going to need to be consistent because playoff Al Horford has been a game changer for the Boston Celtics these past couple of years. But he is getting up there in age. The fit in the front court with him and Joel Embiid hasn't been there. So he's going to have to split minutes. But the way for him to be an impact player in this league, in the NBA playoffs, is if he's able to shoot that three uh, at a good clip and space the floor because they don't really have enough shooting. These guys, as a basketball team, don't really fit together very well. But Al Horford being able to space the floor, Al Horford being able to clamp up in the playoffs, be able to be a guy that can throw on Giannis and be effective is going to take the Sixers to a whole nother level. Obviously, Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson are also guys who are going to need to step up and be closers. But we haven't seen it. We haven't seen those guys uh, close games. They're going to be really asked to do the same thing in the postseason. They're both going to be asked to have a similar role. So I didn't want to go with one of those two guys. I went with Hal Horford. 
uh, because he did play a complimentary star type role in Boston. If he can be that for the Sixers, it's going to be a huge boost to that ball club, especially for a team that there's been some concerns about their second unit and their depth, and he's now a part of that. So he's going to be the lead catalyst along with a guy like Alec Burks uh, off the bench to provide some spark. Uh, Toronto Raptors, Ojean Nobi. Obviously, this was a dude that was injured for most of the Raptors championship run last season. And he's not going to be fully asked to replace Kawhi Leonard, but he is a small forward. Uh, he is going to play a lot of minutes starting at the small forward. So his length, uh, his versatility, being able to give you anywhere between 12 to 15 points a game is going to be huge for the Raptors, a team that already we know Siakam is going to be asked to be a number one option. We know Lowry's back up to another two option. We know Fred Van Fleet is going to do his thing off the bench. Norman Powell, go down the line, Serge Ibaka. Marcus Gasol has been a little bit more of a question mark. He definitely needs to step up. But OG Ananobi is head-to-head, the guy that's stepping in, filling in for Kawhi Leonard, a guy that they didn't have. I think he's going to be a big X factor this year because if he can really come into his own and really be a threat, the Raptors are going to be a dangerous team to beat. But if he's not performing at a high level, he's not being an impactful player. Again, we're not saying star. If he's not being an impactful player, then this Raptors team is not nearly as good as they would be if he was giving them 15 points a game with very good defense, with versatility uh, on the perimeter. With the Celtics as Gordon Hayward. Hayward, we know he can put the ball in the basket, but he hasn't been consistent as a scorer. He's coming back from injury. I know he played last year, but he really was nowhere near the player that the Boston Celtics expected him to be. They don't even need him to be the player they expected him to be before because they now have guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are wing players that are coming into their own. I think Hayward needs to be a guy that can score about 10 points a game, maybe 12 points and when a guy like Jason Tatum or a guy like Jalen Brown is having an off game, he can step in and carry some of that scoring load. But then other than that, just fill in, play good defense, play make a little bit, rebound a little bit, be a guy that can knock down shots, catch and shoot shots, be able to play off the basketball and impact the game in other ways that will complement the stars. They have enough scoring. They have three scoring options and Gordon Hayward is not one of those three. So he's going to fill in where he needs to fill in. And if he can do that, if he can buy into that role, if he can not take away from the other wing players that they have, he's going to be a huge impact guy for the Boston Celtics. And in the Miami, he is Andre Iguodala. I mean, this guy hasn't played basketball for the majority of the season. He's coming into a situation in Miami where this is a young, inexperienced team for the most part. And they do have a great culture up in Miami, but Andre Iguodala is going to need to be a stout defender. He's going to need to be someone that can occasionally hit a shot. Okay. I'm not asking Andre Iguodala to come out here and play like prime Iguodala or even like finals MVP Iguodala from a couple years back. But if he can be a semblance of a solid reserve piece, okay. Like a guy that can be in the rotation, maybe start a game or two if you need him to, and just play a good amount of minutes, 20 to 25 minutes a game and provide playmaking, provide some defense, and just teach these young guys and be out there for these playoff minutes where you need veterans out on the floor. That's going to be a whole different look for the Miami Heat basketball team. And if he's clicking on all cylinders, that can be a scary Heat team because he can guard multiple positions. He can make things tough on you. Uh, So Andre Goodell is definitely that guy for the Miami Heat. And then the Indiana Pacers is a team I threw in here. Uh, for a couple of them, just because it comes down to Victor Oladipo's health. I don't know if they're going to actually be able to be a contender because Victor Oladipo does not seem like he's healthy. His production has not been how we expect it to be from a guy that's been 
an all-star level player. Um, but but he just has not been there this season. And Devonta Sabonis is doing his thing. They got some other guys in there that are doing their things as well. But if Victor Oladipo comes back to that star form, uh, they could be a really scary team. But that's a question mark right now. So I know for most of these teams, it wasn't the main star, but for the Indiana Pacers, it is going to be Victor Oladipo because right now Sabonis has been their all-star with Victor Oladipo out of the lineup. Now he's back trying to find his groove. Uh, Western Conference, I'd say the X factor for the Lakers has been fairly clear, although there are a lot of X factors for this team. DeMarcus Cousins could come back for the playoffs. Okay, Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo thing, but really it's Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma needs to be their third scorer. Kyle Kuzma needs to give them some pop. Okay, he needs to be somewhere between 15 to 18 points a game. Okay, and he needs to be able to play off of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, not be afraid of the moment. I'm never afraid that Kuzma's afraid of the moment. He just has not been productive. He hasn't been consistent. There's some games where he can pop off, and the Lakers are definitely going to need that, but they need consistency as well from Kyle Kuzma. I'm not asking him to be something he's not. I'm not asking him to be a defender. I'm not asking him to be a playmaker. And I'm not really asking much out of Kyle Kuzma besides being a better spot-up shooter being a better score that you can put the ball in Kuzma's hands and he can get a bucket. Uh, okay, that's really what I'm asking from Kuzma. And he hasn't proven that he can do that at this point in time. But if he can do that, that's going to be very scary uh, for opposing teams. It's really beneficial for the Los Angeles Lakers. For the Clippers, if it's a Zubac, um, and, and people will say there's so many guys you can list on the Clippers that are key role players. Talk about Marcus Morris, Landry Shaman, Lou Williams, Montres Harrell. And you were talking about Ivica Zubak. Yes, I am. Okay, because this is their only semblance of rim protection. They don't have – Montrezl Harrell is not a rim protector. They don't have anyone else that can guard the rim. In order for you to be an elite defense in the playoffs, you're going to need a rim protector. And Ivica Zubats is the only guy that could potentially provide that for this Los Angeles Clippers team. And when you're going up against guys like Jokic, guys like Anthony Davis, you're going to need to have that. So he's going to have to be their anchor. He's going to have to be – on the court for at least 20 to 25 minutes. He's not even going to close games for this Clippers team. Kyle Kuzma will for the Lakers. Zubats will not uh, for the Clippers, but he's going to need to be able to provide them 20 to 25 solid minutes and be able to impact the game a little bit on the defensive end of the floor, grab rebounds, things like that, just the little things. And the pick and roll game with Kawhi Leonard has been very effective, but yeah, he's going to need to be able to play out there on the court, especially with these bigger teams uh, when it comes to more of a half-court game in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, and even in the NBA Finals, if they were to get there, a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, attacking the basket the way he does, the way that the Toronto Raptors were really able to contain Giannis was having that wall. And Zubox is going to have to be one of those big members of the wall. Uh, he has to be somewhat like what Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka were behind Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi just doesn't have that. He has the perimeter defense, perimeter defense this year uh, for them with Paul George and, and Pat Bev is going to be elite. But we're talking about once they get past that first line of defense or when you have a big man, you can just dump it down to in the post and, and they can go to work. Uh, you're going to need some semblance of rim protection. Um, Denver Nuggets, I would say definitely Michael Porter Jr. OK, and, and this is a guy that doesn't get enough minutes to me. And I'll talk about that later. But this is a dude that, like Kyle Kuzma, can put the ball in the basket that can impact the game if he can become the third option. 
for the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray has proven that he can be a little bit of a closer. He can be a little bit of a bucket getter. Nikola Jokic is also one of the best clutch performers in the league. That People talk about like the Nuggets don't have anyone that can close games. Like, come on, Jokic and Jamal Murray are definitely clutch. They're definitely big time. But Michael Porter Jr. could be a third scoring option for them. And you need, I think you really, really need to have a guy, a third guy that can come in and fill when one of those guys are underperforming. Michael Porter Jr., if he gets the opportunity, if he gets the minutes, is a guy like Kuzma where you're only asking him to put the ball in the basket. And if he can do that at a high level and big leverage playoff games, I know this is his rookie season, but if he could do that uh, and be a third scoring option, it will make things very interesting in the Western Conference. For the Houston Rockets, Eric Gordon. Uh, and, and similar to a lot of these guys we've listed before, they all have their clear roles. They just need to thrive and be the best version of that role as they can be. And Eric Gordon is just shooting the basketball and being able to create a little off the bench. He's really the only other guy that can create off the bounce for the Houston Rockets on a consistent basis besides Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So he's going to need to be that guy uh, that can give them that type of production, shooting from the perimeter uh, when he's off the ball and then being able to work it in isolation, uh, get to the basket uh, on the ball, you know? So that that's definitely who the Rockets are going to need to step up. Obviously, they have a bunch of other role players that are going to need to hit perimeter shots, but I think Eric Gordon's probably the biggest X factor for that club. We know what Robert Covington's going to provide on both sides of the ball. Uh, they did have some pickups, Jeff Green, Damari Carroll, which would be interesting to see, uh, but definitely Eric Gordon. Uh, and then Mike Conley for the Jazz. Jazz have really been a solid team on both sides of the ball, but Mike Conley really hasn't made the imprint. A lot of people thought he would, myself included. He's going to need to be the best version of himself in the playoffs with the Jazz. Even want to get out of the first round, to be completely honest with you. They do have Donovan Mitchell. They do have Rudy Gobert. Uh, they do have Angles. They do have Bogdanovich. But Mike Conley is really going to be the engine in terms of playmaking that's going to get all those guys looks. Right now, Donovan Mitchell is having to play a lot of point guard. And if Donovan Mitchell is playing point guard and playmaking, you're taking a lot of his scoring away because he has to focus on setting up for others as well. Mike Conley could really ease that offense. He could really run the show as the primary playmaker and let Donovan Mitchell focus more on getting buckets because they're going to need his buckets. Uh, and then Bogdanovich and, and Ingles can play off of that. If Conley has it going, a guy, even a guy like Jordan Clarkson off the bench uh, doesn't have to worry as much about playmaking. And then everyone else kind of more so fits into what they need to do. They don't need to overcompensate themselves. And if that's the case, the Jazz will be a really, really dangerous team because right now they don't have a superstar. And I'll touch on that later, but having three star-level players would really go a long way if you don't have a superstar. Uh, then we're going to shift to the uh, biggest concern. Uh, I'll talk about the pauses. We'll talk about the strengths last. But the biggest concern for every contender, I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference again. And for the Milwaukee Bucks, it's a third scoring option consistent. We already talked about this when you talk about what Eric Bledsoe needs to bring to this team. We already talked about why that didn't work in the playoffs last year. Yes, Giannis gets a lot of the blame. But Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe also deserve blame. They were not hooping when it came down to it in the biggest moments. It wasn't like Giannis just melted down and that was that. The whole team, they started missing perimeter shots and no one was really having it going. The defense is always going to be good, but offensively, everything kind of uh, boiled down and just did not work. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, I'd say their offensive identity uh, this is really Ben Simmons and Joella Bede. How are they going to play 
things out on the offensive end of the floor. We talked about who's going to close games, but even outside of closing games, is Joel Embiid going to be a dominant force in the interior? Is he going to continue to have to shoot all these threes because Simmons is not taking perimeter shots? How's that dynamic going to work? Are they going to stagger their minutes so that both can thrive with other players on the floor? Uh, how do Alex Burks and Glenn Robinson III fit into this equation? Are they going to have enough perimeter shooting? Um, and then how's the Tobias harris J. Rich dynamic going to be uh, on the wing? So there's a lot of offensive identity like unknowns about the 76ers team. Again, if it could all click, it's going to be lethal in the playoffs. But Brett Brown, do we trust that? Do we trust the fit of these guys? Do we trust the work ethic and the confidence of these guys? Uh, there's just a lot of concerns offensively with the Sixers. Defensively, they're going to be great. They have two guys that should be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Uh, and they have other great defenders around them too, Thibel, uh, Josh Richardson. Uh, but offensively, is going to be their concern. Uh, Toronto Raptors, they don't have Kawhi Leonard. And when I posted this on Instagram, again, follow me at Bucket Center. I'm pretty sure most of you guys already do. Uh, but when I posted that the Raptors made concerns, they don't have Kawhi. Everyone was so triggered. Like, what, what does this mean? Obviously, he's not on the roster. But they don't have the enough star power, potentially. Like, that's the concern. Do they have enough star power? Is Pascal Siakam going to be able to be a number one? Kyle Lowry's now back to a number two. Can he be a number two for you? Um, yes, depth is great to have, but in the playoffs, it's more concentrated on the stars. The best players win in the playoffs as long as you have a solid enough depth, a solid enough supporting cast. Um, so yes, the others do matter, and that's great that the Raptors have those others, but how will the stars perform? And without Kawhi Leonard, a lot more pressure is going to be on them because the previous stars that they've had haven't performed in, in the playoffs, uh, obviously anywhere near the level Kawhi did, and that's why they got the championship last year. So we'll see if those other guys can step it up. Boston Celtics matching up with size. I mean, your, your center is Daniel Tice. You got Ennis Cantor coming off the bench. Grant Williams spends a lot of time coming off the bench trying to play small ball center. How are you going to deal with a Giannis Antetokounmpo? How are you going to deal with a Joel Embiid? Is Ben Simmons going to be afraid to attack the basket on you? Yes, your defense has been good as a whole, especially on the perimeter. Your interior defense has been cool. But in the best out of seven series, are those big giants going to be able to expose your lack of rim protection? Um, and that's probably the biggest concern for me, at least, with this with this Boston Celtics team. Obviously, lost Al Horford was a huge part of what y'all did. I understand not wanting to pay him the kind of money he got from Philadelphia. That clearly hasn't been working out perfectly right now. But still, you need some semblance of rim protection. And then the Miami Heat, I'll say their key contributors are lacking experience. I'm not even just talking about playoff experience. I'm talking about experience as a whole. These guys are first, second-year NBA players, bro. Like These guys are starting now when they, they – Maybe we're in the D League or the G League before. Like these guys have really taken an uptick in production, responsibility, and it's going to be a whole nother ball game in the playoffs. Yes, you have Jimmy Butler. Yes, you sign Andre Iguodala to me, who was the X factor. Oh, you traded for him. You got a guy like Jay Crowder who's proven you've got the great culture, which we're going to touch on in a bit. But Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. How are you guys going to perform in the postseason? Are you guys ready for that big stage? Are we asking too much because we've seen you guys already overachieve? Uh, is that you know, Are you guys kind of content where that is? Is that pretty much the max of it's going to take you this season? 
or is there another level that they can go or can they just continue to sustain the level of production that they are in the regular season, which would be very, very fine as well. Uh, so that's my main concern with the Heat. Moving on to the Western Conference, the Lakers, I've touched on this so many times on this pod, offense without LeBron James. I mean, it's it's been really tough to watch. It, although you still have Anthony Davis, who's going to be initiating the offense? Is Rondo going to be able to step up at a high level? Who's creating shots? Uh, the offense really just deteriorates significantly when LeBron James is not on the floor. Um, and, and I know LeBron's going to play more minutes in the playoffs, but still, you have, there's going to be a couple minute stretches where LeBron has to go to the bench. And what's the disparity? It's been that way the whole career for LeBron. Cleveland, Miami, like he's just such a valuable offensive piece that sometimes you become too LeBron reliant. You don't know what to do when he's not out there. Um, and, and some of these guys are going to need to step up in that aspect. The Clippers rim protection, again, we talked about it with Zubats before. Uh, I don't think I really need to dive in too much into that. Houston Rockets playoff, Westbrook and playoff are these guys have underperformed the past couple playoffs. Russell Westbrook is not going to be the best player on this team, so he's going to have – I think I can trust him a little bit more as a number two option. Obviously, didn't make it out the playoffs as a first option. I had a lot of games where he underperformed. But as a second option, it hasn't been the worst. He has he does force up shots a lot. His decision-making is definitely suspect. Um, but he does do a lot of good as well as a second option. Uh, and then James Harden. James Harden's been really shaky this season in terms of his efficiency. Even in the regular season, is been a little bit of a cause for concern but in the playoffs we know what's happened in the big moments when the stakes are the highest uh, i just it's going to come down to these guys decision making with the ball it's all on them decision making with the basketball shot selection uh limiting the turnovers things like that uh are really going to determine how far the houston rockets go because yes they are their best players but they also can be guys you really got to worry about uh, Nuggets, we already touched on Michael Porter. Give the man his minutes. Let him spread his wings. You're going to need him to be the number three option. Not much else to say about that. And then the Utah Jazz, we kind of touched on this before. They don't have a superstar. And in the playoffs, like I said, star power, superstar power wins. And it's going to be tough to do that in the playoffs without a superstar. Um, and then we'll talk about the strengths, the positives to end it out. Uh, the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, the dude is the MVP. He's going to win back-to-back MVPs. Um, there is a little bit of concern about him in the playoffs when you build a wall, all that attention. Is he one-dimensional? I had an argument with some people on Instagram about this the other day. No, he's not completely one-dimensional. I mean, the dude is shooting 31% from the three-point line on a higher volume than Anthony Davis. He's been a better three-point shooter than Anthony Davis. Yes, Anthony Davis has a mid-range, but sometimes the mid-range is probably the least – efficient shot at basketball. AD can do it. Uh, he's one of the best mid-range shooters in, in the game, probably, especially for a big. Um, but Giannis, he doesn't really need an in-between game. He can have a post fadeaway that he can sometimes go to, uh, but he can also Euro step through the lane. He can also just back you in. Um, and the fact that he is shooting the three ball at a decent rate with all those other shooters around him, I think that's going to be fine. He's going to be super, super scary this year, as long as that third option and things I said before work its way out the Sixers biggest strength is defense they got so much like they got length they got versatility defensively defense is scary Ben Simmons is having a great defensive season he's probably been their best defender um and Joel Embiid obviously good rim protector go down the line the Raptors player development I mean look at what's happened with Pascal Siakam this man gets better and better each and every season Terrence Davis uh Fred Van Fleet these some of these guys undrafted 
uh, that are coming in here and making big impact. That's definitely their biggest strength. The Celtics, their wings with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And then the Miami Heat culture. This is another one people like culture. Yes, from the top down with Pat Riley to Eric Spolstra, uh, these guys just know what it takes to win. Even when they haven't had the best roster, these guys have been overachieving, winning a lot of basketball games. I don't think anyone thought this Heat team was going to be as good as they are right now. That's a testament to culture for sure. Um, and then the Western Conference, Lakers is star power. You got the best duo by far in the NBA, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Clippers, you got the depth. You got the best bench duo in the league, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. You also add guys like Landry Shamit, and you just – you're stacked when it comes to bench depth. The Houston Rockets offense, they've been one of the top offenses in the league, led by James Harden, and now they got Russell Westbrook too. When James Harden is struggling, um, one of those guys can potentially pick the other up uh, if they're having an off game. Dan Tony has always been a phenomenal offensive coach, especially in the regular season. It's a little easier to contain the playoffs, um, but they're going to be banking on elite offense to win in the postseason, especially without a rim protector. Um, I didn't include that as their, their biggest concern, that, that P.J. Tucker's their center and they have no other real centers that are going to be in the rotation. Uh, that obviously is a concern, but I'd say the Russell Westbrook, James Harden in the playoffs is probably a bigger concern. Uh, and then the Nuggets' depth, we, we know how crazy deep they are, which is why Michael Porter Jr. is struggling to find minutes in his way into the rotation. They've got a solid backup for every position out there on the floor. Uh, and then the Utah Jazz is – it's probably their defense, although they'll say they're one of the most balanced teams in the league. Top 10 offensively and defensively. Rudy Gobert and company could do it defensively. Donovan Mitchell uh, kind of leads the offense, and, and their dynamic works really, really well. Like I said, I'm concerned about their lack of a superstar, but they're just a really solid team all the way around. That's going to do it for this Contenders episode uh, the Buckets Mentality Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.